Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Tuned in to the Roto Experts. Good Thursday, everybody. It's the Roto Experts. Jake Seeley, Scott Angle. Still a lot to get into from the Tout Wars mixed draft. We didn't get too far into that yesterday, but uh, we had a lot we were talking about, Scott. It was a busy day yesterday, but we have a busier day. Again, because we still have that on the table. Still football news we haven't got to, and a lot of spring training baseball news is continuing to pour through by the day. As well as, I don't know if you saw, Scott, but some great values at ADP over on the website that I posted last night for when it comes to pitching. So make sure you can exploit those values while you're drafting. Yeah, uh, good day. And uh, it's all part of your exclusive Edge Fantasy Baseball package at rotoexperts.com. Enter FNTSY. A checkout for a special discount. Yeah, uh, so, uh, did you happen to check mine out yet? Because I want to ask you. No, about I did not, but I'll person. probably get to it today. Yeah, it's a smart move. So, yes. of course, here's here's one near and dear to your heart. It's the Mets, and so I had mm, let's see, eight starters. Oh wait, how many did I have? No, ten starters and three closers. So thirteen pitchers in here. The first closer I mentioned, Scott, Jerry's Familia, and I said, you know. Mickey Callaway and the Mets, they keep saying, you know, it's going to be an open competition, most likely one person the majority of the time, but it could play mix and match. How much are you buying, Scott? Because my point in the article is let's not forget how great Familia was for three straight seasons. The guy saved 43 and 51 games in 2015 and 2016. I know they're saying that's what they want, and you have that situation because of what happened with Familia last year. But I think if everything's set, Everything's fine that Swarzak was signed to be an inning, two inning potential. I think, I think this is Familia's job, unless something completely goes wrong. Well, I got my fantasy baseball insider reports coming up shortly this week. One of them will include the Mets and the NL East. And the word that I got out of Mets camp is that, you know, that he's uh, determined on rediscovering his sinker and his split finger and that he should have a real nice rebound year, that Mickey Callaway is not against the uh, possibility of using him before the end of the game in an Andrew Miller-like role, but that he's going to get most of the save opportunities, and I took him in the 11th round of my slow draft. Hmm, that's what that makes us feel even better. And you definitely want to check that one out. Like I said, this is all Scott talked about. It. This is all part of the package. If you want, go, as you should want to, go get your Roto Experts exclusive Edge Fantasy Baseball package now. This year's version not only has the things we're talking about, but it's new and improved with more analysis than ever, including an all-day chat channel over on Slack, stats, projections, and improved cheat sheet generator. Get rankings from the top ranking analyst. That's myself, Jake Seeley. Tips from award-winning Scott Tim McCullough. Or Scott Tim, Scott and Tim McCullough. That's one person. We combined you into two people. There you go. <laughs> Insights. 
Yeah, Hall of Famer Scott Angle, as a matter of fact. Enter the code FNTSY at checkout, and you can get your Roto Experts exclusive Edge Fantasy Baseball package now. The code was FNTSY. It also involves a partnership with our other site, DailyRoto.com, 20% off there, so you want to check that out. Uh, before we get to the Tat Wars, before we get back to baseball and all sorts of good stuff they were talking about, Scott, something to get to that kind of got kicked up about two days ago. We know Jarvis Landry was not likely to be with the Dolphins this year. And we've heard the talks of whether they go, go into franchise and whatever. And they did end a franchise, and then the talks were Jarvis Landry didn't want to sign it. He ended up signing anyway. But now we have get the talks that Jarvis Landry could be traded to the Bears and could be traded for Jordan Howard because you have a new head coach, Nagy. You have a new system, potentially. You don't know if Jordan Howard's a fit. He's from the old regime and John Fox. And that this is kind of a matchup that they think makes a lot of sense. So from two sides of it, Scott, what do you think it does for Jarvis Landry's value first? You know, actually a few weeks ago uh, on the morning, the other morning show with Tony, I was giving my top uh, destinations for Jar- Jarvis Landry. And my number one, I was saying as early as last month, was the Bears. You know, I have a young quarterback like that, Mitch Trubisky, and to have a possession receiver like that, who's also more versatile than that, when we saw last year with the amount of touchdowns that he scored, a perfect guy for a young quarterback to develop with. I, th- I think that's actually the perfect landing spot from a pure NFL perspective. From a fantasy perspective, do you want to see it? Can Trubisky be much worse than Dan Hill? I don't think so. So... I'm okay with that happening. You know, we've also we've also heard him landing with the Ravens. The confounding part of this, though, is and like, and I was talking about this with Tony yesterday on on a on the fantasy sports news desk. Is look, the Dolphins never make smart decisions to get to begin with. This would be another silly one on their part. I think the fact they want to get rid of Landry is not very smart to begin with. But the fact that they already have Kenyon Drake and how good he looked last year, they don't need Jordan Howard. It'd be smarter for the Bears to do because they get one of the top receivers in the NFL while parting with a guy that, as good as he is, is probably more replaceable than a Jarvis Landry. See, and there's a lot there, and I, I completely agree with you. It's funny, a couple of weeks ago we were talking about the Bears, and I said two things made sense. Is one similar to you, somebody like a Jarvis Landry at the time, it wasn't considered to be Jarvis Landry. But the other one I kept throwing out there, and I keep throwing it out there as of today, if they added Jarvis Landry and this receiver, and that's Terrell Pryor, because Terrell Pryor went from being able to freelance with the Browns to in a precision-based offense that asked you to be on places, timing precision-based, and you had the accuracy of that system, and he doesn't fit. He still is still raw route running. He still can't be where he needs to be in that kind of offense, but if you let him freelance with somebody like Trubisky, who also freelances at the quarterback position, and then you add Jarvis Landry, who's that you know gobble up the receptions over the middle of the field, I, I'm with you. I think this is a great fit. But I'm also with you on the fact that it doesn't make a lot of sense for me from the Dolphins' standpoint. I understand they don't want to pay him $14, $15 million to be a, uh, you know, the number one slot receiver in the NFL, and that's their issue with that. Or maybe they just don't want to pay him in general. But I'm with you in the fact that I don't like this, the fit of Jordan Howard. I love Jordan Howard. I'm a big fan of Jordan Howard. But like you said, you already had Kenyon Drake, who performed quite well, especially down the stretch. And now you're going to bring in another running back and hurt your wide receiver. Like, it makes sense, like you said, from the Bears' perspective. I don't see how it makes sense from the Dolphins' perspective outside of getting rid of the money. And if you're going to get rid of the money, I think they could have found something better. Well, this isn't set in stone yet, but I think they could find something better than this. 
Yeah, if you're going to get a second-round pick for Jarvis Landry, maybe you do it. You know, because of the money you said they won't want to do it. But I, I still, from personnel uh, department kind of thing, I just don't think it's very smart. Uh, you know, especially with Ryan Tannehill coming back, hopefully for them, and he has the best relationship with them. But, you know, there's there's nothing to see here with the Dolphins. I can't see them finding themselves that their way out of it, especially if they get rid of Landry. You know, Devontae Parker has proven he can't stay healthy or be reliable. So let me ask you this then. Maybe with the fact, because you mentioned Tannehill, if this team really is considering a quarterback, maybe, and there's already been rumors that they might let Sue walk, well, not walk, but cut him from the team. Is this potential the Dolphins are just going to blow things up and start over and this might be the worst team in the NFC East? It could be. It, it certainly could or be. You know, they, you know what I mean. Yeah, well, maybe the worst team in both divisions combined. <laughs> you know, the front <laughs> office the, yeah, for, for three years. Worst teams. Well, let me ask you this, Scott. This is a legitimate question. Right now, looking at the two rosters, I think you could make the argument the Browns have more talent on their roster. You could make that argument, actually, You know, especially if you're looking at things offensively. And it's all from ownership down and management down. And the Dolphins haven't made good personnel decisions in a long time. Can you give me one really quality quarterback that stands out to you since Dan Marino retired? No, it's, it's as bad as the Browns. I mean, their best quarterback yeah. was probably, I'd say it was Chad Pennington, but he got hurt. He, I mean, this it's sad. I would have liked to see his career if he didn't get hurt so much, but that was probably their best quarterback. Outside of Larry Zonk and Ricky Williams, have there been any really good running backs for an extensive period in Miami? Mm, not that come to mind off the top of my head, no. Nope. You're right. This team has just not been great at finding or developing. For this entire century, you know, the Dolphins, like the Raiders, like the Cowboys, have been a has-been franchise. (laughs) And even more than the Raiders and the Cowboys. Yeah. Well, I'm just trying to think. Like, even the Bills have had more notable names than they have. I mean, it's even like the if you Raiders, watch- the Cowboys, and the Dolphins, and and Washington are considered like these legendary cornerstone franchises. Expect for the Raiders and the Cowboys. Yeah, you know, the Raiders haven't been good in sixteen years. The Cowboys haven't been good in twenty-one. Yeah, Redskins haven't been good in almost an amount of time too. I mean, they had a yeah spit there, but nothing like no, no, no Super Bowl contenders. You know, true I mean, corners don't. Of, the Giants, the, the Giants have been bad recently, but when you look at consistency from decade to decade, the Giants are definitely a cornerstone franchise. No team is probably more of a model franchise in the NFL than the Steelers. The Broncos find their way into the mix every seemingly every decade. You know, the Packers yeah. always seem to be there. Uh, you know, for a lot of the past. A lot of this century, the Seahawks have been a consistent contender. The Ravens, ever since the 2000 this century, have consist- to me, the Ravens have always been a much... The Ravens are what the Raiders were supposed to be. Tough team that, always, that, that wins often, is always in contention, even for the playoffs or for the Super Bowl. You want a tough team, give me the Raiders. Let me, not the Ravens, you know, so- not the Raiders. Yeah, the Ravens. You brought them up, so let me ask you about. And the Cowboys are not America's team anymore. Okay, America's team is a polarizing team that people either love or they hate. 
It doesn't get a more American than calling a team the Patriots. And there's no more polarizing team that people talk about more in sports than the New England Patriots. That's oh, I, America's I don't dis- team. Don't, don't disagree with you there. So let me ask you, Scott. You mentioned one thing there, your team. And I want to ask you about the Seahawks because it wasn't something that I planned to talk about. But you, you kind of spurred my thought process here is the fact that you have the whole situation that tried trade Michael Bennett. There's talks that Earl Thomas could be next. They're not actively shopping him, but they are listening. Richard Sherman yes. could be on the way out. Do you think that this is – are they trying to do the Cowboys, let's turn it around quick, or do you – because they still have Russell Wilson, and Jimmy Graham's gone, they're not bringing him back, or do you think this might be like a two-, three-year reconfiguration of the roster given how many pieces on, on defense are falling apart now? I don't know if I'm going to compare it to what other teams do as much as what I compare to what Pete Carroll and John Schneider do themselves and have done in the past. When they first took over the team in 2010, they started tearing down the roster in the preseason during camp, signing like a record amount of players and cutting a record amount of players. And it continued throughout the regular season. They even traded for Marshall and Lynch during the season. So... This team didn't make the playoffs for the first time since 2011. I don't believe Carroll and Schneider can accept that. And what they're doing is, is they're doing what they did when they first came in. They're tearing down what they feel no longer works and trying to build something else. Michael Bennett, I would have loved to see him back in Seattle for another year. But he was injury prone last year and he's turning 33. Frank Clark is on the come, so they get rid of him. I think Getting rid of Earl Thomas would probably not be smart because he's 29 years old. He's still got a good another good th- three years, I think, is one of the top three safeties in the game. Richard Sherman's a different animal here because they want him to take a pay cut because he's 30 years old and he's the, th- the third highest base salary on the team and he's coming off an Achilles injury. So... Camp Chancellor, we don't know if he's ever going to play again. If they get rid of Chancellor and Sherman, that you know, that's the end of the Legion of Boom right there. You know, the only remaining member would be Earl Thomas. You still have Bobby Wagner, you still have Russell Wilson, you still have Doug Baldwin, you got some pieces there to build around. You still got KJ Wright, you got Frank Clark on the come, but this is this is looking like a different team than the one that had a really good five to six year run as one of the best teams in the NFL. I think this division, might, with the fact that the 49ers and all the moves that they're making and going to be able to make with this budget that they have, which is one of the biggest of the offseason, I guess it might be the toughest division for at least the next two, three years. It, ha- it remains to be seen what Arizona does at quarterback. You know that. Uh, even that, if Arizona's a four and twelve team, I think you're always. I don't think you're ever going to have all four teams being playoff contenders. Yeah, it's it's clear clear that the Rams have surged to the top of the division. The 49ers have the potential. The Seahawks are kind of in a state of transition here, true transition, for the first time since 2011. So it's going to be interesting to see how that works out. Uh, you know, what are they going to do in free agency? What are they going to do in the draft? Because they don't have second and third round picks, but they're always known to trade down. So you know, they're at number 18. I could see them stockpiling more draft picks because how they built their first championship team was through the draft. And, you know, that's what Carroll and Schneider are known for is getting gems in the draft, although they've swung and missed more in recent seasons. Yeah, 
Hey, this entire division. And then I, I forgot about you know, the NFC South, too. It's going to be hard to get a wild card out in the NFC right now if you, if you don't have some nice talent from top to bottom on your roster. This, this is going to be – the NFC could be winning a couple of Super Bowls as well for the next couple of seasons. We'll see. But if you want to win some in DFS, make sure you check out Fantasy Factors, the perfect daily fantasy site for the casual recreational player. Flatter prize pools, smaller fields, single-entry contest only. Fantasy Factors always got fun contests going right now. Free entry in the March Madness bracket in a Sweet 16 bracket. And Fantasy Factors is running a $100,000 home run derby this year. So make sure you check all of that out over at FantasyFactor.com. Well, with the, the news, Scott, real quick before we hit the break, do you want Richard Sherman back or are you ready to move on? Simple question. He's, he's one of my favorite players of all time in the franchise. If you're just asking my emotional feeling here, uh, I think it would be quite a statement for him to rebound from that Achilles injury and still play well. I'd love to see him do it in a Seattle uniform. One of my favorite all-time Seahawks. I would definitely not want to see him go. Yeah, it's always tough. It's the tough where it's <laughs> your all, all-time favorite player and then kind of looking toward the future and... You know, Eli Manning is not my all-time favorite, but he's got a special place in my heart, and Giants might have to move on. But it doesn't look like that's going to happen this year after all. But we're going to break here. We're going to come back, get back into the Tout Wars, some analysis with picks, other things to talk about. Scott Angle, Jake Seeley, you listen to the Roto Experts, Fantasy Sports Radio Network. What if I were to tell you that there was a professional football league where you, the fan, got to draft the team and call the plays? Is that something you might be interested in? The Fan Control Football League is bringing managerial control to the fans. Visit fcfl.io to learn more. Welcome back to Roto Experts. Jake Seeley and Scott Angle. You a Mission Impossible fan, Scott? Nope. What? Not. Hey. Not like the show or the movies or just anything at all? Nope. There's something wrong with you. No, there's not. Yeah, there is. You don't watch the NCAA tournament. You don't like Mission Impossible. I'm starting to question our friendship. I'm a Star Wars fan. <laughs> That's not I enough like Marvel these days. movies. Yeah, you need more than that. You need to branch out. Yeah. I'm still got, <laughs> trying to get you on Stranger Things. So, Scott. Need to branch now, out. Yeah. Trying to get you to branch Stop out. Stop watching the NBA. I did, and then I got, I got annoyed Bulls. with it. No, I got annoyed with it. I got annoyed with the, with the NBA last year and even more so this year. I'm tired of them. I'm tired of everybody bitching and moaning and Watch being babies. Russian NASCAR? Nah, I guess yeah. there's nobody left. Who do you root for now, by the way? Who's your favorite driver? Austin Dillon. Oh, well, that's because he's always on the show all the time. No, because he's a fresh your... personal friend of mine. Yeah. Who was it before yeah. Austin Dillon? Uh, it was Jeff Gordon. Okay. So, see, there you go. That was the only person I really related to and rooted for, and he has gone... Everybody else has got. Okay, Scott, I, I know you're a huge NASCAR person. Real quick, but, like... Honestly, and this is where you can make your argument for it. I was having a discussion with my roommate who is a huge, he's actually a big-time NASCAR fan, watches every single weekend, goes to about six or seven races a year. He goes to nice. Martinsville, Richmond, 
or Charlotte, one of, like he goes to those three places, and he usually goes to both races at all three places. In any case, that being said, we were having a point, and I said this to him, and he kind of agreed. I'm going to see if you agree that now that Dale Earnhardt Jr. retired and Danica, Back- Danica Patrick is gone, that for your casual NASCAR viewer, there's really nobody to attach to anymore. I think we had this discussion, and uh, you know, I think I seen Yahoo Sports do a story on it recently, and you know, he's right. Uh, I think Chase Elliott is the guy that Yahoo pointed out and made a good case for, because you know, down, you know, down south, you know, southeast, sort of, uh, you know, where NASCAR tra- tradition is basically born. Uh, you know, he has ties to Bill Elliott, who was you know, one of the most popular drivers in NASCAR history. And if Chase Elliott starts performing well, uh, you know, he he could be a a face of NASCAR. If Bubba Wallace continues to perform well and actually starts winning races, you know, I think he'd become bigger than Elliott because he's got a magnetic personality. And I think he would appeal to just more than a NASCAR crowd. But right now, the sport doesn't have anybody that really is – appealing more to than just the general NASCAR crowd, like the, the, the core NASCAR crowd that's mainstream. And even with the mainstream NASCAR crowd, it's like I think allegiances are very split right now. All right. But I could, I could start rooting for one of those two and not be considered a bandwagoner? No. I mean, Chase Elliott's only in his second year. Yeah, but I thought he won a decent amount for a rookie last year. Was kind right, of I think he won once. He kept finishing second. Okay. Well, that's still yeah. pretty good. A lot of second-place second yeah. finishes. All right. So, Scott, I want to get back. So, the Tout Wars, something happened for one team specifically. And I'm in a play FFWC. It's the beat Jake Seely over there at Scout and all that type of stuff. And I was on the turn. I'm at the end turn, not the fortunate one to get Mike Trout. I'm at the bottom one. The first four rounds, I went hitter, 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 hitter. I started all four hitters, uh, mostly because by the time I got there in the 3-4 turn, the pitching, it was kind of diving into that next tier of the Carlos Martinez's of the world, the U Darvish's, and I was just like, you know what? For what's on the board hitting-wise, I took Yelich and Reese Hoskins instead, and I thought that was the better move. And it really turned out to be the better move because on the 5-6 turn, Scott, I got Chris Archer and Jose Quintana, which are going to nice. get me 200 strike exactly 200 strikeouts each no my whip's not going to be amazing if i got like a kluber or somebody like that but i say for getting the fifth sixth round that's why you can wait on pitching it's a perfect example it's not always going to work out like that for everybody who waits that long that being said there was one person in tout wars who didn't draft the pitcher in the first four rounds that same person didn't draft the person or, or pitcher for the first six rounds that was jeff Boggess. He waited until round seven to take Dallas Keuchel as his first pitcher. With the state of pitching right now, as I just said, I have no problem waiting on pitching. It's how I won labor. It's how I finished in the top five in labor every year I've been there. At the same time, there's no way I'm waiting all the way till the seventh round and making Dallas Keuchel my first pitcher, Scott. No, I, I don't think I could I could do that either. Uh, you know, Keuchel's a nice second guy to have. He's not going to dominate in terms of strikeouts. But it seemed like last year he got back closer to that Cy Young form where he's going to give you a good whip and a good ERA. I think ideally you like to have him as your number two starter. In my slow draft, I took Madison Bumgarner in the third, and I think I got Chris Archer in the fifth. 
following up with Jose Barrios in about the uh, about the ninth. So I kind of want to build that over time. It's like I don't need like we're talking about with the closers like two aces. It's nice to have two aces together. I think it gives you an advantage. But uh, to have Keiko Moore as your number two, then your number one. You know, it's almost like you're talking fantasy football, too. It's like you're drafting a wide receiver, two as your wide receiver, one. You know, there's tiers in baseball, like just like there is in football, and probably not the direction that I would have went. So one of the pitchers you took, which is one of the ones I took as well, is Chris Archer one of the most underrated top-tier pitchers in fantasy? And I understand he had a 402 and a 407 ERA the past two seasons, but before that was 322, 333, 323, and then last year and the year before, the ex-fit was 341 and 335. He had run into some bad luck two years in a row now. He's basically been the same exact pitcher. If you look at all of his metrics, he's basically the same exact guy. He's just ran into a little bit more bad luck the past two seasons versus those three years in a row of posting a 3 ERA. By the way, Scott, as you well know, he only happens to have strikeout totals of 252, 233, and 249 the past three seasons, even if he can't get that ERA down to three 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 four, even if it's at three eight, is he not? Like I said, is he not the back end of one of those top tier? Like I would say, he's the end of the Bumgarner Degrom tier, and that he deserves to be there. Whereas you said you got him in the fourth round, I got him in the fifth round. I see Kessinich took him in the fourth round of this draft. I think he's kind of underrated. I don't know if I'd put him in with elite. I, I, I don't know if he's no, quite the very there. End of he, can, it. he can be. I'm not saying, you know, it's, I have to have a cutoff point. I, I would say he's not at the very end of it. He's, he probably starts that next tier for me. Uh, you know, when you look at a guy with like a four-year RA, I just can't put him in elite no matter what the reasons are. Now, by the same token, though, his ex-fifth the last two years, 340, 381, and you even look at a 290 in 2015, point to the fact that he can be elite. He hasn't quite earned it yet. I think he's on that cusp. His, his HR per nine has been up the last two years, especially concerning in 2016 uh, when he when he was he was disappointing. He can't chase wins. Okay, so that's no. you, you have to throw the record out. I mean, he's ten and twelve, nine and nineteen. Though it's you know as much as he can't chase wins. Though you look at nineteen and thirty one the last two years. Even though it's something that could easily turn around, that keeps him about about being of the elite conversation. I don't think we can completely discount it, but Archer's right on the cusp of where he can be elite. I won't argue with that that he can be there, but I don't think he's quite there. I mean, you look also last year, like seventy one point three on base per left on base percentage. That's like almost over four points higher than what his career is. So he's he's been a little unlucky, but he's also he's let bullpen balls flying out of the park, but that's been happening in baseball. So I think, you know, he's on the verge of taking that next step. We haven't seen that big year from him just yet. I think another thing that kind of weighs against him is, though, that he's never had really a consistent third pitch. Uh, you know, last year, 476 percent fastball usage, 44 points, and only 8% on the changeup, 
which uh, used 11.3% the last year before. So he doesn't really have a consistent third pitch. And I think these are all minor concerns, but he's not quite, I don't think elite when I think Archer. I think that that next top tier. So let me ask you this. So two things. One is one of the things that he could have going for him is the assumption, the wild assumption. I wouldn't say wild. I say widespread might be the better way to put it is that Chris Archer is going to be traded this year and that a opportunity is going to the Dodgers. Does that creep into your mind at all? Um, I think it would certainly improve his outlook. Right. Uh, but he's, he's still got to develop that third pitch maybe to become the superstar. All right. So here's the other side of it. And let me ask you a player versus player. Would you rather draft Chris Archer at the same price? Because I know price is always relative and you're going to get him for cheaper. But I just want to talk about pitcher versus pitcher here for a second. Would you rather draft Chris Archer, Luis Severino off his breakout season, or you, Darvish, going to the National League, who's kind of been a little bit uh, hit or miss over the last year plus since he, he kind of faltered a little bit with that injury? Well, you look at you, Darvish. Are you talking about the playoffs? You know, is that a concern for you? How he pitched in the postseason? Uh, he's sh- he's shown little uh, flaws before even the playoffs. He hasn't since he got hurt. He hasn't been the same exact pitcher that was the two something ERA, 11, 12 strikeouts per nine. He he definitely hasn't been the U Darvish that was at the elite level. U Darvish from when he first came over. All right, Night, uh, last year, uh, you know, he had he had the injuries. Right. Uh, ended up being ten and twelve last year. Uh, yeah, for two teams, three eighty six ERA, hundred eighty six innings pitched, two hundred nine strikeouts, one sixteen WHIP. Uh, I mean, you could argue for him. That's why I asked you. I mean, which yeah. of the three would you want? I would probably go Darvish, then Severino because I think his minor league tra- numbers back up what he did in the majors last year, and it finally. Uh, I think you, Darvish, settled into New York. You know, doing my insider reports last year, the knock on Severino was is that he gets too nervous as a starter. Right. You know, he has That's great like bullpens, and he walks in, and he gets nervous. And he calmed down last year, and the talent's always been there. So I think he'll repeat. And then I'll put, I'll put Archer a close third. I said it was funny. I said the exact same thing. I said that about Severino and Tanaka. They lose their minds as soon as people start getting on base. I don't know what happens to them, but yeah. they go they they go bonkers. People get on base, and that's the end of it. Uh, real quick, because actually two things. Real quick, first, real well, quick. What was, for what was Severino's uh, strand percentage last year? Uh, I'd have to look that up. I don't know strand percentages off the top of my head, Scott. I'm not that good. I mean, come on now. Well, let's see. I think seventy five. You have to seventy five point five. Yeah, that's, right in line with you know, his, I think you no longer say he panics with guys on base. Right. No, no, no. I was saying I was agreeing with you. The year before. Hey, you're the one brought the point. He had yeah. a 64% strand You're the one that brought up the rate. point. I was agreeing with you. Yeah. Yeah. The year before, he had a 64% strand rate. Exactly. Yeah. They yeah. lose their mind when people get on base. But real quick, before we get back to another player, uh, every three minutes in America, somebody is diagnosed with blood cancer. Unfortunately, only 30% of those patients are able to find a compatible bone marrow donor within their family. But that's how you can help. Go to dkms.org front slash FNTSY today and sign up online to register as a donor. DKMS sends you a swab kit. Legitimately takes one minute to do. You swab each of your cheeks and send it back to him. That's it. You're done. 
DKMS will then try to match you up with a person in need of a donation. Process is easy. Best of all, you can actually save somebody's life, not metaphorically. We're talking literally. Check out dkms.org front slash FNTSY to see how you can help. Scott, in that conversation about Severino, you said his minor league numbers back him up. And that's why I want to bring up one of the players that I just mentioned before that I drafted in the 3-4 turn of that draft when he was still on the board. And people continue to ask us and everybody that works for us, everybody basically in the fantasy industry that is just now getting back to fantasy baseball. And they're saying, really? Reese Hoskins in the third round? Why is Reese Hoskins? I mean, Reese Hoskins had great at the end of the season, but he was quiet in September, and it's, it's only two months. And really, Reese Hoskins? But here's the thing, Scott. His minor league numbers back it up. This kid has been this all the way through the minors, no blips on the radar, and continue to mash. Yes, September slowed down a little bit, but September is September. This September, as Lenny Melnick would say, you know, a rookie is a rookie is a rookie. Uh, yeah. I think Reese Hoskins is very well deserving of being in the third round. He's one of the few players that I could easily see hitting 40-plus home runs this year. I think so. Uh, but, you know, when you talk about the major league sample size only being 50 games, baseball is a constant game of adjustments. And right. sometimes these guys come up and, you know, they get all hot for a certain spell, but then, you know, they get it, then it gets exposed as they continue to go around throughout the league. And I think, you know, that may be the concern with Reese Hoskins. He, in, the, in that sample size, he only hit 259 last year. So what if he regresses? Well, nobody's asking him to hit two ninety. What if he regresses and then he hits two forty? You know what I'm saying? I'm still okay with it if you're going to hit forty plus home runs. Yeah, I, th- I think I the mean, potential. Well, let's put it this way. Certainly, there. He, I mean, four hundred ninety-eight bats in Double A in 2016. He had 38 homers. 401 bats in Triple A last year. He had 29 homers. So there's real. I don't think there's any reason not to see, but. Why are you going to spend a second round pick on a guy that could hit two forty? Third, third, yeah. I think it's. I think it's very. I mean, that that that's Chris Davis, right? Well, let me ask you this, Scott: If he hit two thirty with forty four home runs and a hundred runs and a hundred RBIs, would you be happy with that? I don't like spending a second round pick on a guy that's going to spend two forty. Oh, I'm saying third. Hold on, I'm going to stick with so, that. When right, we come that, back real quick. that early of no, a pick, no. I want to. I want a complete no, no. guy. Hold on, hold on. When we come back, I want to talk about this. This is Jake Celia, Scott Angles, Roto Experts, Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Muscle Maker Grill was made for baseball season. Muscle Maker Grill supplies you with delicious, healthy meals that will give you energy to cheer on your team week after week. Whether you're craving flavorful salad, packed wraps, or guiltless entrees, Muscle Maker Grill has you covered. Hosting a game? No problem. Our catering packages will have your whole team satisfied with flavors ranging from Italian to Tex-Mex and much, much more. Visit MuscleMakerGrill.com for your nearest location and have a winning season. Dance, Scott. Dance if you want to. I can be your friend. Will you dance? Don't dance if they don't dance. Well, that. So do you dance? We could dance. Everybody, look at your hands. Are you a friend of mine? Do you dance, Scott? 
Yeah, I'm a friend of mine and I dance. Yours and I dance. Cool. <laughs> uh, so, for everybody, <coughs> if something else that you want to be a friend of, make sure you go check out Fantrax.com. You can create the ultimate Dynasty Keeper Redraft Fantasy League using Fantrax free commissioner product. Find out how it feels to have the deepest player pool, multi-team trades, and player salary and contract options at your fingertips, all of which are fully customizable. And with Fantrax Treasury, you can set league entry fees and safely distribute payouts with a third party so you don't have to track down owners for payment. Enter promo code AL, it's A-L, sign up for a chance to win 10 private consultations with Fantasy Baseball Hour host Al Melchior, valued at $109. So find out why Fantrax is the home of fantasy sports and check out Fantrax.com today. All right, Scott, I just want to, this, this very yes or no question. Forget the second round, just the third round pick. We'll say, I'll, I'll give you the 35th pick overall. Not 30th okay. pick, because that, 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 that's late. We'll say 30th. Mid, we'll say mid-third round. If right. I told you guaranteed this person was going to hit 230, he was going to hit 45 home runs, he was going to drive in 100 runs and score 100 runs, would you be happy about that in the middle of the third round? I'd be mostly happy about it. I wouldn't be fully happy with the batting average. Of course not. But I'd be pretty yeah. dang on happy with it in yeah. the middle of the third round. Okay, so here's why I'm setting this up. And I, I think you might know where I'm going with this, but I'm setting that up because you brought up the average for Hoskins. I think all of those are feasible numbers giving Hoskins track record and power. That also just happens to be Aaron Judge's second half pace last year, who is going in the middle of the second round. And that's why I bring it up. You think Aaron Judge is going to hit 245 this year? Is that what you're telling me? I think that that's a reasonable number when he only hit 228 in the second half. Put it this way. There were some concerns about his shoulder for the second half, too, last year. Oh, I know. But here, I'll give you this, Scott. If you gave me head-to-head and you asked me to put money on it and asked me to say who's going to have the higher betting average this year, I'd put my money on Hoskins, not on Judge. I don't know if you'd win. Of course. I mean, there's plenty of time. I'm just saying, given what I've seen, here's the difference. Aaron Judge, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 28, 30, 20. That's his strikeout percentage through the minors. You know what Reese Hoskins is, and this is something that people don't give credit to? Right. 19, 17, 17, 21, 16, 21. The kid does not strike out like Aaron Judge does, and that's why I said the minor league track record. Again, I'm going to go back to it, and I could be wrong, but as of today, if you just told me straight up, for, you know, forget the other numbers. If you just told me who's going to have the batting average, I'd put my money on Hoskins. Well, here's the thing, though. If you tell me this heading into 2019, I might believe you, but this year— No, I'm telling you 2018. No, but I, I, here's my point is— I think over time, Hoskins will give you the better batting average. But after he had under 260 last year, and people might be finding holes in his game this year, I don't know if I could bank on that. See, I think might be, and they already found the holes in Aaron Judge's game. Uh, Aaron Judge, I think the shoulder concerns me from last year. Aaron Judge could probably hit about 260 this year, whereas Reese Hoskins could hit 240. Uh, see, I don't think Reese Hoskins is going to ever go. He never. His lowest was his first stint in the minors, which you just said was a 259. He he's never not in the minors the right now, though. What I'm saying is he's going to come out of the gate as the starter here, right? And baseball is a constant game of adjustments. He didn't hit 260 last year. I think, I, th- I think, I think uh, 
All right, he didn't even hit 265 last year. You know, he really hasn't been around the majors <laughs> enough will. for him to get the holes exposed. You know, there could be some regression in the batting average. I think it's it realistic. Could be. I know, but you're, we're saying it could be. I think it could be the fact that Aaron Judge hits 250 for the entire year again. I mean, like, here's the they thing. They both Scott. could hit 250, but you know what? I'll bank more on right. the power that I've seen from Judge over a full year. All right, you want to? We'll put a lunch bet on it. How about that? I don't bet anything. If you're right, I say you're right. Okay, we're not in Vegas here. If you're right, I'll say I'll say I'll say I'll say you're right anyway. No, we can hang out anyway. We'll go to a lunch regardless. But what I'm saying is, is, is that we don't have to bet here. If you're 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 right, I'll tell you you're right. There's no reason to have a bet. No, but we could just say who gets the treat, who gets the free lunch. Look, you want me to take you to lunch? I'll take you to lunch. No, I want you to take me to lunch because Reese Hoskins has a higher batting average. Then I'll just say you're That's right. Yeah, and I get a free lunch out of it. And then if Aaron Judge does, you still take me to Why lunch. Why are you so hard up for a, for a free lunch? You hey, to run it's a tough deli. time, Scott. You used to run a deli. Come on. I know. I actually missed that kind of food. That's the only thing I missed. I hated running the deli, but that's the only thing I do is I miss the actual food that was at the deli. All right, Scott. Let's get back to something still a question mark because we haven't seen his debut. But it's coming. And it might be in your write-up if you want to preview that again. Jacob DeGrom is finally going to make his spring training debut this Sunday. What are your concerns when it comes to Jacob DeGrom? Or you think this is fine now that he's going to be back on the field? He's got plenty of time to ramp up for this season. I don't really have any concerns about Jacob DeGrom right now. Uh, you know, the the strikeout rate was up last year to career high. The walk rate was down. Yeah, he led some balls out of the park and... Uh, you know, he he had some bumpy starts down the stretch, but I, I think that that one-two punch of Syndergaard and Degrom is going to be something this year. And then there's talk even that Matt Harvey can rebound if he gets himself together mentally and just, just decides that okay, I'm not the Dark Knight anymore, but I'm still a damn good pitcher and I can accept that. So I'm not really worried about Degrom whatsoever. You know, last year he was coming back, I think, what was it, from the elbow? And, you know, he had the career-high strikeout rate. So I'm not worried about Jacob DeGrom whatsoever. I think it was a minor injury. All right, so let me ask you about something you said in there. Is That's our friend Matt Harvey. So you said the head right, and I said this the other day. Not so my let's friend. compare notes. <laughs> not your friend? He's no, not I can barely get, a, get him to grunt at me. when I, I've, I haven't gotten an interview with him since his rookie year. Really? Yeah. You know he who else is like that? talk to you unless you're a big shot. I was going to say, you know who else is like that? I don't know if you've Ooh. ever run into him, but Justin Verlander. Uh, Have you Justin Verlander, I can't say that about him. The Justin oh, Verlander would be a very, I can very nice guy. Firsthand. No, I can say very firsthand, Justin Verlander is kind of a jerk if, you don't, if you're not famous. Really? What, what, happened, when, what happened when you were just Justin two, Verlander? Just two different experiences, and I've actually had somebody, two different people echo the same sentiment that if, like, he just doesn't want to be bothered, and he's not going to be bothered unless you're a big name. Like, he has no time for you. Uh, really? my exper- yeah, my experience with him personally was now seven years ago. Cause right. I'm, so they're coming up on eight years with us, right? Yes, 2010. Yeah, so seven years ago in spring training, and we were talking to a bunch of the Tigers at the time. And he was standing around in the same group of people. But he was standing around. He was waiting to be specifically interviewed by MLB Network. They weren't set up yet. They weren't ready. But basically, without saying without words, is I don't have time for you. Is kind of the way that we were told. Is, no, 
We're not MLB Network. There's no time for anybody else. And so, yeah, definitely have that. Well, issue. here's two but ways to look at it. I can see where you're coming from, and I used to think that. But, you know, baseball players are creatures of habit. And, you know, they, they have a certain routine before ball games, and they're only going to break it for, like, you know, maybe one or two interviews, some of these guys. Uh, you know, it's it's different than, say, Matt Harvey, where every single time I've asked to inter- interview him over, like, I would say beyond his rookie year, uh, you know, about five attempts, I got shot down on all of them. And, you know, I just stopped asking. Whereas, you know, sometimes a guy may not have time for you. It depends on the how, – how did he – did he did he, did he, did he uh, nastily tell you that he didn't have time for you? Pretty much. That's pretty much what okay. it is. And like I said, if I, it was just the one experience – if it was just the one experience – I would say, you know what, yeah. all right, that's fine. My but, experience like with said, Verlander was totally different. This is when he was with the Tigers maybe three years ago. Uh, and I told him I was a fantasy guy. Verlander wouldn't let me go. That's it's interesting. No, definitely did not happen that a way A lot of me. times when they no. find out you're a fantasy guy, in my case, they treat you differently. But there's some guys who are just unapproachable like Matt Harvey and Bryce Harper. Hmm. All right. Well, anyway, let's get back to this. I want to talk about Matt Harvey yeah. real quick. Because you said getting his head right. And that's the one thing. So I didn't say those weren't the words I used. I said get his control back because he's got his speed back. He's not hitting 97, 98, but he's in the mid-90s again. And everybody's talking about how he looks good and he's, the ball is jumping out of his hand again. But the one thing he's struggling with right now is plate command. And what I say, Scott, is I'm intrigued at spending a late-round flight Harvey because if that's what you're telling me, Harvey's has the ability and can get his head right to just be able to work the strike zone again. I'm just happy. Like, if you told me he had his command back, but it was still only topping out at 91, 92, I'd be like, eh, I don't really want much to do with Harvey because obviously this is just who he is now, and he got shelled when he was pitching that hard. But now that he's got the speed back and now he just needs to get the command, I'd rather that be the issue than the other way around. Harvey used to top out, like, high 90s, right? Like, in 2013. Right, you said hit a hundred sometimes, right? Correct. Right. right. Yeah. Now this is going to come out my insider report on RotoExperts.com later this week when I talk about the Mets and the NL East. You know, talking to somebody close to the Mets, it's all between the years for Harvey. He's topping out at ninety-five, ninety-six now. He used to top out higher than that, right? Right. Yeah. What Harvey has to do is realize that he's not the Dark Knight anymore. He's not a superhero, and. Once he accepts that he's still a very good, not great pitcher and, you know, doesn't try to go out and dominate everybody and it doesn't work and he realizes that he can still be a very good pitcher, 95, 96, because he doesn't have a wipeout slider anymore either. Once he adjusts to what he has and he does what a lot of pitchers do is remake themselves mentally and kind of, you know, kind of accept that about himself, he's got a good chance to bounce back. So... You know, this, this is what I've been told about Harvey. That's all between the years for him. So are you taking a flyer on him then? I think I would. Yeah, I think he's worth you jumping he's on. Look, like, he's looking pretty good in the spring so 20th far. 20th round? Yeah. It's very all interesting because right. Joel, Joel Sherman said a bit about, uh, <laughs> about these pitchers in the New York Post that they have a high school where kind of the cool kids mentality click kind of thing. And, I'm, uh, you know, I'm around the Mets, and I, I do kind of see that thing. You know, you, you talk about Verlander, you're not going to get an interview with one of the Mets' top starters unless they either personally know you or, you, you know, you're one of the biggest media outlets. 
All right, so here's the funny thing that you just said. I'm bringing up Joel Sherman. That's why I chuckled. And I want to ask you something, Scott. The Mets, you cover them. You get the inside information. You get into the clubhouse. Does Joel Sherman hate Cespedes? I mean, like, this guy seems to have something out for him every single year. And I know people were upset by the fact he was showing up in a new car every single day two years ago and all this. But he comes after him again and says that everything he's seen, he's not trying on the field. It's a joke to him. Meanwhile, the team is talking about how much fire and passion that he has, and they love to see what he's been doing so far. Like, if the team is saying that, I kind of, like, this is three years in a row now, Scott. Sherman's come after Cespedes for something. It kind of seems like he's got some beef with Cespedes. All right, here's the thing. Look, Joel Sherman's an excellent writer. Uh, But he often strikes me personally as being humorless. And in his column in the Post, uh, he he kind of he, he he kind of walks that line between taking a shot at him and maybe really not. Uh, it's it's clever, you know, because he is an excellent writer. You know, talking about how Cespedes kind of clowns around during spring training drills and right. stuff like that. Right. But that's the thing with Joel Sherman. I think he takes baseball oh so seriously, and I think it may bother him to see a guy like that kind of like clowning around and being loose and having fun with the game. And I think, you know, maybe it's just like a clash of personalities there. It's, you know, it's. I think that kind of struck me one time when, like, you know, David writes, like, you know, in a group interview and, like, you know, they were talking about the organization a few years ago and, you know, he's being very gracious and everything. And, you know, Sherman's firing every hardball question at him. You know, Joel Sherman you know, really wants to break baseball down to brass tacks and take it seriously than anybody does in the world. And I think somebody with Jonas Jonas Cespedes clashes with his view of the game. All right. So you don't see the same thing while you're out there is basically what you're saying. Cespedes is Cespedes, and I think some guys, you know, if, if if the Mets are going to contend, he's going to be a big part of it. So I think you kind of like, how should I say, you make accommodations for something like that. The biggest thing is it really doesn't seem to bother his teammates at all. You see Noah Syndergaard out there, they are riding horses with him and stuff like that. If it doesn't bother his teammates at all, and I don't think he is, look, Cespedes is like, he's a guy who smokes cigarettes, plays golf, stuff like that, all that kind of stuff came out. But it doesn't seem to rankle any of his teammates because, you know, of how good he can be when he's healthy. Hey, I'm a fan of him. I like to see the fun. So, like you said, if it's not bothering the fa- the team, then yeah, get on board by it. Just by the way, get on board. Like a guy like that can smoke cigarettes, though. Yeah. Oh, it's look at the Mets in the '80s. Real quick before we get out of here, make sure you check out the Fan Control Football League, where fans manage real teams and award for the success through the league's proprietary fan token, the FCFL. You scout players, draft rosters, hire coaches, call plays, and even help design the logo. The FCL will finish. Eight professional teams playing seven-on-seven, fast-paced, indoor football. To learn more about the fan token in the FCFL, visit fcfl.io. Power to the fans. Scott, as always, this show goes back, goes by super quickly. Yeah, too quickly sometimes. Yeah, but this just shows how, you know, how much we have to talk about every single day in the good debates yeah. and like whether or not we're going to be buying each other lunch, right? No, if you're right, you're right. <laughs> I'm gonna get just. I gotta get. Have you ever bet on anything? Just like a friend. Of course, Vegas, of just course I have. But I I stopped doing that. I think it'd be fun. 
We've you never know, done that when, before. When people want to bet, you know, it's like, look, I'm willing to throw my money in the, you know, where my mouth is and prove I'm right more right no, than see, you. And I'm, I'm like, not trying to do that. Yeah, you and I, we've never done it before. You know, it's, 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 if you're right, I'll say you're right. There's no reason for you to take me to take your money. Or take me to lunch. Or vice versa. <laughs> I'll just take you to lunch. Don't worry about that. All right. We'll be back tomorrow. Scott Angles, Jake Steely. It's the Roto Experts from the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. 